This is People Like Us, a show about Alt-MBA alumni. Here's Craig Snyder from Alt-MBA 15. So Craig, you have worked in the music industry for quite a while. I love in your LinkedIn bio, you said you have earned a master's degree in, in rock and roll. How did you get started with that kind of work? Yeah, sure. Uh, I think a lot of it um, is kind of accidental, right place, right time. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, I was interested in music, thought I would go to engineering school to learn how to design guitar pedals. And I started a band and and then realized um, you know, just a lot of the struggles of being in an, an emerging band. Um, and really, I, I came into the music industry at a time where everything was shifting from analog to digital. And that, you know, included, you know, the, the launch of iTunes and um, certainly, uh, you know, what ended up being my first gig in the music business working for Sirius XM. And it was an interesting time to be in the industry because you had a lot of the old guard um, that were craving someone uh, that understood what an MP3 was or understood what MySpace or understood, um, you know, a lot of these things. And, you know, I've always been someone that uh, has memorized the back of, of album sleeves. I've wanted to know how things got made. Um, you know, I've always been fascinated by producers and engineers and session guitar players and, and, you know, just really how uh, a song and how an album comes together. And I think that is really what's driven me throughout my career. You know, I worked at Sirius XM and had the opportunity to, uh, you know, help launch uh, the Underground Garage channel with uh, little Steven Van Zant from Bruce Springsteen's band and the Sopranos. And we brought in a bunch of DJs that, had never been DJs before. So we were working with um, rock and rollers and, you know, some of the shows that I produced were for Andrew Lou Goldham, who's the original manager and producer of the Rolling Stones and Joan Jett um, and Kim Fowley, who produced uh, the Runaways and Kiss and a bunch of other bands. And, you know, I think all throughout my career, I've, I've just been someone that as things get complicated, um, I, find ways to simplify them. And, you know, throughout uh, the years that, you know, I've started managing bands and um, certainly working with brands on brand campaigns, figuring out how to integrate music and build sonic identity and branding. And, you know, I think when I came to Alt-MBA, I had just uh, finished working with an agency Um and the agency gave me an opportunity to uh, really, you know, see the other side of um, integrating music in with, um, you know, consumer goods and brands. And um, I really craved, you know, working with emerging artists again. And I think there's a lot uh, that a lot of similarities with emerging artists and entrepreneurs and startups and, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, synergies there. And I think with Alt-MBA, I was really looking for an opportunity to surround myself with entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs uh, 
and folks that were trying to solve a lot of the issues that I was solving, you know, in the music business. Looking at, at some of the, those, those challenges or, or problems that you saw in the music industry, like, um, were there any specific ones that you're, you're hoping to work on during Alt-MBA? Yeah, I think something that I've really focused throughout my career is sustainability. So I think, you know, in a time where the best thing about the music business is that anyone can record music at home and make a really good sounding record, you know, and then having that also be the worst thing about the music business, you know, where you're, (laughs) you're lacking some of the gatekeepers and, and folks that, uh, you know, gave that ability for artists to make sure the, the product was good. You know, I think, um, sustainability is, is something that I'm really focused on, you know, and, you know, like Kevin Kelly says, you know, getting to your thousand true fans, um, really focusing on, um, you know, what do fans really want? You know, the last thing that most fans want is more music that they have to consume. And if you put a really good quality product out there and you have an audience that wants to tell their friends, then suddenly you, you have the makings of a sustainable career. And, you know, through managing a lot of artists, you know, artists today probably make the bulk of their money on the road. And I think something that I am really fascinated by is uh, music discovery and how, how consumers discover new music and how it becomes part of their lives. Cause you know, I think that's the beauty of music. It, it, you know, each of us has a soundtrack to our life. And, um, I think really as I look at digital music now and I look at, you know, some of what I, I learned in alt MBA, you know, there are uh, ways that you can definitely start to build, you know, a career and it's, it's very, very simple things like, you know, taking a, a portion of your song and turning it into a 60 second, you know, audiogram on Instagram. It's a great first experience. Yes, it may not be monetized. Yes, it may not add to your Spotify play total, which is what a lot of artists are concerned with. Um, but it it will impact your bottom line because, you know, fans need to be able to find new music on whatever platform they're on. So fans aren't necessarily looking for more music to, to consume yet they are looking or yet music discovery is such a big, is still a big part of, uh, of, of the industry. People are always looking for new, new, new music. Is, is it because they're, they're looking for something else and, and music is kind of the, the medium for that thing they're looking for? Or, or, or when you, when you say sustainable, like uh, what, if it's not more music, what, what are, um, what are the people that you work with, um, transacting in or what are they, what are they selling? Yeah. So I think with music, it really, you know, what I see a lot of artists do is they figure out what metric will help them get signed or help them, uh, have brands be interested in giving them money. Um, and, they want to do as little work to 
get the highest result as possible, which means, um, you know, whereas, you know, the emphasis used to be uh, trying to encourage downloads, even if they were free, um, it's now, you know, it, it moved to, you know, Facebook likes and, and, you know, Twitter followers and Instagram followers. And now it's up to playlist streams. And, you know, basically so many artists are focused on algorithms and how they can hack an algorithm rather than, you know, having great songs. You know, I think music discovery, it's not rocket science. You know, what I did as a kid and what so many, you know, people that I talked to did as kids um, where, you know, you you made a mixtape for a friend or you heard something really great on the radio and, and you told someone about it. You know, I, I think of, you know, being a kid in a neighborhood in Ohio and, you know, I had like $20 of, of uh, lawn mowing money each week. And, you know, I went to the record shop and I talked to my friends and had a good understanding of what records they had already purchased because, you know, we were building, you know, a almost like a, a music library similar to, you know, Spotify it was totally offline. But, you know, we shared music with each other and um, we were trying to turn each other on to brand new music. And I think one of the challenges now is um, the algorithms at Spotify and Apple and another number of other platforms are really focused on new music. Yet 70% of the music that is consumed on these platforms is what we call catalog music that has been out for over six months. Uh, so that that's an interesting conundrum, you know, because ultimately, you know, people that are my parents' age would rather just listen to, you know, the Beatles and Led Zeppelin. They're not really concerned with, uh, you know, hearing a new band or hearing a new artist. And yeah. I think younger folks certainly are. But at some point when they turn 30, 35, um, you know, they're, they're probably not going to have nearly as much time as they once did. What you've said brings up an interesting dynamic between what the artist is trying to do and and the new gatekeepers, the Spotify, the iTunes, these algorithms that they may have different goals, that the algorithm has a goal of like, we, we want we want you to spend as much time in our ecosystem as possible. Therefore, we want to uh, we want to promote things that will keep you in our system, regardless of whether or not the music or the content is any good. Whereas an artist, I think, is trying to navigate that tension of creating the work that they want, the art that they want to make, but also having an audience. And, you know, is it, oh, I need to do this so I I can spread my art and my message? Or is it, you know, once I get to a certain point that I have an audience, that's when I get to do the work that I I've always wanted to do. Like, what are your, what are your thoughts on this new age of music where you have uh, a new set of gatekeepers and and artists who are still trying to, to, to make art? Yeah, I think that's a fantastic question. Um, Let me answer it by, I can share a little story but there, there's a band that I managed for a long time called Low Cut Connie. 
They're a boogie woogie rock and roll band from Philadelphia. Um, they sound as if, you know, if Jerry Lee Lewis grew up listening to the replacements. Um, their shows are sweaty rock and roll shows and they're a blast. And, you know, when I worked with them, um, you know, one of the first things that, that you do with a band like that is you, you got to get on the road and start to build an audience. And there were many, many tours where the band was playing to rooms of five to 20 people. And the hope was, you know, each time one of the, one of, uh, those folks, you know, would come to their show, hopefully they'd bring someone else with them the next time. And, you know, that's the strategy that just about every band is focused on, um, because that's the strategy that works. Um, and, you know, I think in this playlist world, there's a lot of debate about, you know, if playlists actually work in building, you know, true fans. And the story I'll tell you is um, out of the blue, uh, Lokat Khani actually got selected by President Obama to be on his first uh, summer playlist. And he put a song called Boozophilia on, you know, with songs by Prince and Marvin Gaye and Aretha Franklin. And they had no business being on that playlist, but um, Pete Souza, uh, look at Connie's photographer, or uh, sorry, president Obama's photographer was a fan. And I guess somehow either came through him or one of president Obama's daughters. But so then it became interesting because it was like, all right, you've made it to potentially the largest playlist that a rock and roll band can end up on, right? President Obama is probably the biggest pop star in the world. And um, it's like, well, this surely is going to make sure that more people, you know, come to the shows, you would think, right? Um, <laughs> the reality is um, that night where the, you know, the, the guys in Loka Connie found out they were on the playlist, they were playing at a Ramada Inn hotel. <laughs> so a bunch of people, and when they announced that they were on President Obama's playlist on stage, no one believed them. No one believed them. And th that's the whole thing. You know, playlists are very transactional. You know, I think if you look at what playlists are, they are uh, a single-use experience. And some people will listen more, more than once, but the mass majority, it's single-use. It's like a glow stick. You know, you snap the glow stick. When you're done with it, it goes in the trash. Um, next week, you're going to get a new glow stick if that's what you do. <laughs> so I think um, I think we complicate things so often, you know, with, um, you know, what is that that silver bullet? What is that that peak that you need to climb over to, you know, find your thousand true fans? And the reality is you still have to do it the old way. There's no like. There are occasionally a one-hit wonder, but if you look at most one-hit wonders, they're a one-hit wonder. You know, it's not a sustainable, it's not for the long term. There's no long tail. Yeah. What What do you think changed from, I guess, the, the, the single-use nature of a playlist versus, you know, back when you'd make a mixtape for someone, it would be something 
you know, albeit it, or granted it was physical. So it's something that you could give to somebody they could hold and they could, they could keep with them. Uh, I think that might play a role, but, um, I think the, the act or the gift of creating that playlist for somebody, it had a different feel to it. Like I, 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 I remember having, having mixtapes or, 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 you know, essentially playlists that I would hold on to and play at, uh, at different times in my life. So it was a single use. So what's changed from that era to, to what we have now? I think the, the, the time and the care, you know, I think one thing with music and, you know, like I was saying, there's more music coming out than ever. Um, so I think that that certainly impacts things. Um, I think the other thing, you know, is something that you just hit on, which is, you know, there was, there's effort in, you know, actually dubbing a mixtape. Yeah. There was, a, there was a time you had to like listen to the radio and, and, dub and, be, it. and be ready and just like, yeah. okay. <laughs> and sometimes you had to take a chance and you hit record for an hour and you hope that there would be something really great that played. Yeah. You know, I did that on my hometown station, WOXY. Um, and, you know, I discovered so many great bands that way and turned so many friends onto great music. And I still have some of those tapes. And, you know, I think, you know, actually one thing that I would point out is I think algorithms are great. I think they can tell you a lot, but I think the human element is something that is really important still. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a reflection of them when they create it. Yeah, it's me talking to you and, you know, you tell me, oh, I like Britpop. And I say, oh, cool. Well, in that case, you should check out this band. Have you heard of them? You know, and and then it's a very different conversation rather than the algorithm saying, well, you listen to 30 seconds of all of these bands. So we're going to give you this little band that you may have heard of called the Rolling Stones. They're pretty cool, right? Yeah. Wow. So much there. So what are you working on now or what's next for you? So I, uh, am currently, uh, you know, really focused on my, my role at reverb nation, which is a, uh, emerging artist platform where we are home to 5 million emerging artists and, the challenge that I am really focused on there is um, working within the music industry to provide opportunities uh, to artists that will help them grow um, and basically helping uh, pair artists with the right opportunity through curation, human curation um, and using algorithms as information to help inform as opposed to uh, dictate. Uh, so, you know, that's one thing I'm working on. Uh, the other thing that I am working on is uh, I, I produce two podcasts. Uh, one is focused on uh, type A women, uh, and it features my wife, uh, Kara Snyder. And that podcast is called Le Vital Core Salon. And it's, uh, it's a place where uh, Kara is having discussions with folks such as astronauts and um, a woman who is uh, the Indiana Jones of uh, of probably modern day, you know, got her start working on a Russian tanker and knows many, many languages and is creating online 
uh, courses to help people learn. Um, so that's one podcast. And the other podcast is uh, I am working on the next chapter of my uh, friendship partnership with Andrew Lou Goldham, uh, who I mentioned earlier. I produced 10 years of his radio show on Sirius XM. And now we're focused on the podcasting space and, you know, basically uh, hosting conversations under a podcast called Sounds and Vision. And uh, it's meant to be a masterclass each episode where Andrew is talking with someone he's met along the way. So, so far we've had uh, the famous rock photographer, Mick Rock, who shot all of the famous pictures of David Bowie and Queen and Joan Jett. Um, and the second episode had the CEO of TBWA, Shia Day, Rob Schwartz. Um, so very, very different conversation there. Uh, but, you know, I think that speaks to, um, you know, the types of things that Andrew is interested in discussing. And uh, so really, I think between um, building out artist development opportunities for Reverb Nation artists and uh, storytelling with two podcasts, um, those are two things I'm really focused on. So to close the show, I have one question that I ask all the people that I talk to. One of the goals of the show is to help alt MBA alumni connect. So how would you fill in the blank? Reach out if blank. So I think I have two. Um, so I would say, you know, reach out to me if a, um, you like ice hockey, cause I'm always looking to meet other hockey fans and, uh, would love to find alt MBAers that, uh, like hockey as well. Uh, the second thing that I would say, reach out to me, um, is if you're, uh, if you're interested in how, uh, music could impact your business. You know, I think there are a lot of ways that, um, music can build organic and native, uh, brand opportunities. And I think there's a lot that can be learned from artists. Um, and I think there are certainly a a lot of things that I would love to learn and talking with other alt MBAers about, um, you know, some of the marketing opportunities they have. Well, thank you, Craig, for being part of this community and, and for taking the time to, to chat. You're welcome. Thanks so much for, uh, hosting this podcast and, uh, keep up uh, your three times a week. It's, uh, it's definitely awesome. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for ways to contact Craig.